In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. There's Salt Lamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. Three and two, the count to Solaire. Here's the pitch. Way in a drive! Head deep! Left field! Way back! We're going home! For the first time in his career, Jorge Soler! It's a walk-off homer! And the Marlins beat the Nationals by a final score of 5-4! to four. And that, my friends, is the home run call of the day. A, a tradition here at Baseball Isn't Boring. Yes, Baseball Isn't Boring because of calls like that. Because of moments like that, Jorge Soler, according to Elias Sports Bureau, which also makes baseball not boring, always, with great facts and figures, it was the first time the Marlins won in walk-off fashion after trailing by two or more runs with two outs and nobody on in the ninth inning or later. So there you go. History. History. So we've got to keep giving you those home run calls thank you FanDuel for sponsoring and powering this podcast and doing everything you can to help us make sure that we can scream from the mountaintops baseballs and boring speaking of baseball not being boring well we had another good conversation with another good person that's going to be in this podcast Mike Cameron yeah Mike Cameron such a good guy six in the rookie of the year voting back in 1997 in case you forgot how good he was coming up three gold gloves 17 seasons get this 278 home runs 297 stolen bases yes he could do it all and by the way as a son daz who's now in the Orioles system he was a first round pick in 2015 in the centerpiece of the justin verlander trade in 2017 well we talked to mike cameron or i talked to mike cameron about the challenges prospects face coming up compared to when he was a prospect and the differences and i just thought it was a really really interesting conversation with a really really interesting guy but we're going to get to that in a second first we have to go through some of the stuff that happened in this great game of baseball just last night starting with if you could start with any franchise player that's the question i asked mike and i asked some of these other guys if you could start any player in baseball one player start a franchise with any player who would it be i keep saying this and i always say this Julio Rodriguez, that's my guy. I know he's off to a slow start this year, but that's the guy. And I told Julio today, said, listen, I've been asking this question of all these people. And I tell them, I said, I would start the franchise with, with Julio Rodriguez. So you've got to tell me, who would you start the franchise with? And you know what he told me? He told me he would start it with Julio Rodriguez too. Because, and here's the good point by him, he knows himself better than he knows anybody else. Fair, fair, and... I think that's a logical answer. I also asked Taylor Trammell, a teammate of his, who also homered after we asked this question. He didn't want to name a teammate. He didn't want to name a good friend. 
that he knew very, very well. He named Adley Rushman, and he went on to talk about how great Rushman is across the board, getting to see him in first person. Another great one. And what you're going to hear also from Mike Cameron when I ask this question is a guy, not only Julio Rodriguez, yes, he mentioned Julio Rodriguez, but another guy who's in the conversation. Yeah, we've heard all, when we've asked this question of all these people, we've heard Juan Soto, we've heard Shohei Itani, and we've heard this guy too. And we're going to hear him more and more and more, and that's Ronald Acuna Jr. So what he did last night, 455-foot home run, that comes six days after 470-foot home run. He does it all. He's good in the field. He hits home runs a long way. He takes a long time getting around the bases of home run trot, which spices things up a little bit. And he's just one of the best all-around players. I mean, he's trending toward an MVP guy. And I can't disagree with Mike Cameron's take that if you're starting a franchise, he's up there. He might have surpassed Juan Soto, the guy that a lot of people were keep saying that that, is the, that should be the foundational guy. All right. Well... Speaking of the Marlins, which we were just a little while ago, you have, here's the thing, in the National League wildcard right now, you know who the three teams would be in the National League wildcard right now? It's crazy. The Diamondbacks, the Pirates, the Marlins. Let me repeat that. The Diamondbacks, the Pirates, and the Marlins are the three wildcard teams right now. In the American League, well, we know what the Rays are doing. But then you have Toronto and the Yankees as part of the equation fighting it out in the American League. Not only in the American League East, but for that wild card spot. And it has been unbelievably spicy up in Toronto, which is awesome. Like, we need more spiciness. We saw the Bryce Harper, the Colorado Rockies thing the other day. It's fine. But this has been going on for a couple days now up in Toronto, where you had the Aaron Judge, where is he looking, where is he looking, where is he looking? And by the way, go to the at BB isn't boring Twitter account, at BB isn't boring, caption contest. I want to congratulate the three winners. Great caption contest winners of the picture of Aaron Judge looking the other way, doing the look away right before he hits the home run, obviously looking in the Yankees dugout and everyone was saying, well, what's he doing? Is he getting signs? So what is he doing? What is Aaron Judge doing? We never get to the bottom of it. Aaron Boone said it's boring. I tweeted out, said, how dare you say boring? Never say boring when talking about a baseball-related activity. He'll learn his lesson. So the day after the Aaron Judge stuff happened, it just kept on getting spicier. In the fourth inning, you had Domingo Herman who was tossed because of sticky stuff on his hands. And as you can see on social media, he's, he comes back in the dugout and he's wiping his hands on his pants and it's, there's stuff all over it. And as home plate umpire James Hoy said, it was the stickiest hand I've ever felt. Yes, welcome to baseball. Whether the umpires say it's the stickiest hand I've ever felt. Domingo Herman, he was ejected. Took a long time for him to get ejected. Yankees end up winning this game, by the way. But here's here's how it went down. We love good calls. Dan Schulman, Buck Martinez on Sportsnet. Here's how they described it. It has to do with the umpires checking Domingo Herman for a foreign substance. They do this with all pitchers on all teams. Herman with this very same crew a few weeks ago. He's out of the game. They just threw Herman out of the game. 
Vermont had this with James Hoy, this very same crew, a few weeks ago, but was not tossed out of the game. Hoy told a reporter after that when his pitching hand was tacky, Hoy told him to wash his hand, and uh, obviously in that situation he complied well enough that he was allowed to stay in the game, but the umpires have just thrown Domingo Herman out of the game for evidently a foreign substance of some sort, and if he gets the same treatment Max Scherzer got, he's going to get a 10-game suspension. 10 games, that's what Scherzer did, and Scherzer continued to say it was rosin and perspiration that made my hand so sticky. Alright, well, that wasn't the only thing that went down. That was the only thing that got everyone all riled up. You had some good third-base coaching box controversy. I mean, what is better than some good third-base coaching box controversy? Come on. First, Pete Walker, the pitching coach of the Blue Jays, getting all over Luis Rojas, the Yankees' third-base coach. Get back in the box, get back in the box, get back in the box. He may or may not have been kidding, but Luis Rojas didn't feel like he was kidding, and there's some yelling ensued. All right, so later in the game, you got the counter. You got the Yankees telling Blue Jays' third base coach, Luis Rivera, you got to get back in the box. And the weird thing is, is that when you see these coaching boxes, if you took, for instance, if you took like the traditional dirt field, especially the older stadiums, the third base coaching box is like half the size of where they have it marked out for a place like Roger Center. It's like half the size. So... And, and obviously, those third base coaches aren't aren't in that dirt hardly at all. But you know what? If you want to be the letter of the law, you want to you get under the skin of the opposition. I guess is the way to do it. Whoever had this, who had this in the middle of May, third base coaching controversy, third base coaching box controversy, of course. And here's so I'll give you Michael K and David Conan, Yes Network. Here, here, here's they're setting the scene of this third base coaching controversy. Now they're yelling at Luis Rojas. He's too far out of the, the third baseline. And now the first base coach, D.J. Rayburn, is getting involved. And you can see, I think it was Pete Walker walked to the outfield side of the dugout and told Rojas to get back. And now it looks like Snyder is telling Boone to shut up. This is gamesmanship for the manager. Now, the Yankee side is arguing exactly what you said before in the previous inning when the Blue Jays' third base coach was deep and out of the coach's box when Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was hitting. So that's what they're discussing right there. All right. Well, another American League East team. We'll stay in the American League East because it is the best division. The Red Sox had won- lost four in a row. They lost four in a row. Death lost to the Mariners. Well, they snapped that four-game losing skeet. And they beat the Mariners. So after the game, I found out that Alex Verdugo had called a players-only team meeting before the game. And I love some good team meeting talk. This is, this is one of the things in baseball, it is such a complex thing. Because one of the things that you have to understand is that team meetings, you better make sure that it's going to be presented the right way. That is part of it, it, part of the solution, rather part of the problem, because it can be part of the problem real quick. If you have a team meeting, you're going bad. You have a team meeting, and then all of a sudden you lose. Then it becomes even worse. So then you have Alex Verdugo, who I talked to, and he explained 
exactly what, how he approached it. And I thought he was pretty insightful. So I want to play some of Alex Verdugo talking about the team meeting that he called and who participated and how it went down. Because once again, I mean, who doesn't like some good team meeting talk? I don't know if you've ever done anything like that or this felt like it was time to... Hey, hey, hey guys let's go or what was it what it was like yeah i mean you know really most of it it was just you know um after the few games that we had uh you know everybody's kind of been seeing it we all kind of felt it and we all know like we're all very aware of our our own actions and i think just for me it was um you know talking to a couple veterans jt sale and, and carita and just you know i wanted to get a little players meeting going on today and uh just to just to have a little conversation with the guys and it wasn't about anything bad anything pacific it was just win or lose boys like you know, let's go out here and let's bring the energy you know what i mean let's 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 not let's not get down let's not freaking put the pressure on it it's like let's really root for the guys in front of you behind you and, and let's just get on the same page of just just playing the ball man and and you know this isn't this the whole year we played it hasn't been just one guy carrying the team it's been everybody contributing everybody uh firing and and, and helping out so i think for for me it was the first time that I've ever, you know, hmm. called for a players' meeting, anything like that. So, you know, obviously pretty nervous at first with it. Um, but I, I thought I thought the guys really liked it. You know, I thought everything was good. And, and uh, like I said, it was just, you know, just some in-house stuff, man. We're with each other a lot. So I feel like we should be able to speak up and, and, and talk to each other as a team and just, you know, kind of right the ship a little bit. Was it something you were thinking about? Like you said, you had never done it before. Yeah, I mean, you think about it a little bit, right? But um, at the same time, like I said, said you don't want to like really press too much when you're on like a little bit of a losing thing because then guys start feeling like like you know oh man we're really like we're stressing we're really grinding and it's like you know it's still very early for, for us i just thought that today was just like just a little reminder man just a reminder for all of us me included like you know we gotta we just gotta play the game hard you know bust down the box uh kind of force some force some action and i think you know today grounding out to second and then just busting it out you see a little bobble and and I'm safe and it's like the guys on the dugout are fucking on the front step like fired up yelling and you know and I think that's something that like it sets the tone and it, it gets everybody else behind me fired up and ready to like want to contribute so um, it's just something like that nothing too crazy but you know I think we got a really good group of guys here from the veterans to the rookies and um, I just I really enjoy this team so it's just one of those ones where you know we're just gonna we gotta we gotta police ourselves and, and get out of that get out of that like uh, being sensitive about it man like everybody should be able to have a voice on this team and if you see something notice anything like don't be afraid to say it and and you know like let's talk about it and you know let's let's get this thing going and what you said it's one thing you know to do it and then to actually act on it like to, to set the tone like you did to bust it down the line i mean that was there wasn't a better way to do it, like on the field, than what you did. I mean, honestly. Yeah, it, it worked out right for that first at bat. Yeah. But um, you know, like I said, it's just you know, regardless to if he bobbled it or not, man. Like you're just gonna bust it. You just gotta bust yeah. it hard and, and just you know put pressure on guys. And I think uh, that's kind of what we saw. And, and you know, we did a really good job when when uh, they got the four runs back. And, and you know, we didn't we didn't put our heads down. We didn't do. We kept telling Nikki like, man, you keep going out there. You attack the zone. Keep doing what you're doing. We got you. And uh, you know, right after that, we answer with a three-run inning. So it's just one of those things, man. It's uh, 
I think um, you know it's contagious, man. Like energy is contagious, and even if it, it's hard to get have energy every single day, but I think if you fake it a little bit and create it, it starts. Like if you start faking the energy, where like you know you just you're just saying stuff, right? You're saying like, hey, let's go, come on, like you know, it starts creating real energy, and then that starts taking it into some momentum, and then you know some good things happen, some things happen, and, and you can really ride with that. It's so. good to have reminders. I mean, yeah, just it's just a long season, you yeah. know. So I think you know, but like I said, it was it was uh, it was awesome, man. I thought what, it went well. And what time was it? Well, you know, the. It was like about five ish or something like that. Yeah, 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 like yeah, just after the BP, it was just yeah. players. But like I said, man, it, it was nothing crazy. No, I know. Just, but just a good little, you know, every a couple guys spoke up, and you know, it was it was just fun to. It was good to hear from from guys and and just kind of get back on that page of, of everybody on the same page and you know just 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 some good shit. Okay, well, finally, I promised some Mike Cameron interview, and I'm going to give you some Mike Cameron interview. Mike Cameron. Once again, one of the, a very, very highly touted guy after that first year with the White Sox in 1997, sixth in the Rookie of the Year voting, and then I went on to have a, a very, very good career. But that was a different time. Powering through those early years as a young player, it was just different. Obviously, there was no social media, but there was other obstacles. Now... As he's going to point out, you do have social media. You do have more attention. Is it good? Is it bad? I don't know. I just think it's a great conversation. Subscribe, rate, review, listen. I appreciate everybody. By the way, tomorrow, The Godfather returns. Joe Kelly, The Godfather returns. And you know that's always, always good. But today, great interview with Mike Cameron. I want to thank everybody for jumping on board. Listen, like I said, rate, review, subscribe, at BB Isn't Boring, the book, and damn near perfect game. Now, let's finish things off with a sit-down with a guy who once walked into a clubhouse and gave me two pairs of shoes without me even asking, and it's the shoes I'm still wearing today, and that was 13 years ago, Mike Cameron. All right, one of my favorite people, and not only because he gave me shoes, which I still have. So that would be 13 years ago, Mike. So 13 years ago. Good times, though. Good times. So I, w- I, d- I want to ask you because you have a great perspective of this. Of uh, a guy like a, su- a star, a kid coming up, a young kid coming up. How difficult it is in this day and age to actually function to to be the star that everyone one wants him to be, compared to when you came up. Well, I think the difference is, Rob, I think that the kids today are hyped from the time they're drafted until they reach a certain point or until they reach the big leagues. Um, in my case, and it's all, it's all broadcasting on social media, uh, in my case, it was my time, it was much talk about the game uh, and about the kid or the person before you even saw him. So by the time the kids get to the big leagues today, you already know everything about them. And so I think that adds a, a tremendous, tremendous amount of more pressure on guys to perform because they, they've been hyped for so long. Uh, in my day, it was you Baseball America guy and you may have been the best guy. Like, I heard about Andrew Jones. I didn't know about him until I saw him play, and I was like, oh, okay. And, um, you know, that, of that nature. And when you, then when you get here, uh, people have to figure you out. Now... By the time you get here, they know everything about you. 
And I think that's one of the biggest difference and probably adds more pressure to most guys, you know, who are just getting a chance to come into the game and just trying to get their feet on the ground and trying to get going. They're over so much hype about everybody, and I just think that that could be difficult for young guys sometimes. Was that eye-opening with with your son? Like, so, I mean, and maybe it's even changed since your son was drafted, right? Almost definitely. Yeah. You know, um, he was talked about highly, talented, and I think uh, now uh, he kind of understands how it was. And him, he had an added element. You know, he's a baseball, he has a dad that's played in the big league, so... Um, I don't. I, I always. I told him. I said, I'll never understand the pressure that you're under from the lineage perspective, but I understand everything you're going through from a baseball perspective. And if you like, if I ever get maybe overbearing, tell me, you know, because I don't know what you're going through unless you tell me what you're going through. That's great perspective. And then you have a guy, obviously. Here in the organization you're working with, Seattle, like Julio Rodriguez. Yeah. And I just talked to Julio and, you know, and I talked to a couple guys about Julio. I mean, this is another thing. Like, he goes to the home run derby yeah. and everyone's like, holy crap. Yeah. And now, like, coming in this year and, like, oh, MVP, odds, and everything else. Yeah. I mean, this that's a whole nother level, right? Yeah, almost definitely. When you become an uh, overnight superstar and you do it on the field and, um, and the expectations are that people place on you the next year, it could be impactful to you mentally. Uh, so you have to be kind of a very sound mentally and being able to ride the ebbs and flows of the game and understand that, you know, it may not be going well to today, you know, uh, but over the course of time, you're going to be okay. Like he hasn't probably hasn't played close to what he is as a player, but he's getting a chance to go out and do it every day. And he's still... He takes it a lot better than my buddy Jerry Kellenick. I can assure you that. And he he was just as much, maybe more hype than Julio was. Right. So, and he takes it a little bit harder. He's he reminds me a lot of Trey Nixon. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And maybe more talented than Trey. Just Nixon. because you're owning every single day, like yeah, you, you can yeah. win baseball. That's yeah. tough to do. Yeah. Man. He wants to he wants to own it, win it every single day. Yeah. Every day he thinks he's supposed to get a hit every single time. It's good that they have someone like yourself not only your son but these guys to talk to because like you said you can reference guys right yeah yeah yeah, definitely Uh, this is and and so can you appreciate how the things that like you're talking about can you appreciate not only that you're giving reporters shoes yeah but they but but you have a perspective of so of of these guys and could you see that can you appreciate that you're giving this to them almost definitely it's a it's, it's a valuable gift that i have that i didn't have as i was coming along um, you know, even in my little world, you know, I was highly taught it. Um, I remember having my first year coming to the big leagues, and then, you know, the next year, everybody was expecting me to be this 30-30 guy, and I took on that pressure when I should have been really just understanding that I was just trying to develop, become a better player than I was last year. I was trying to live up to the expe- expectations of the numbers opposed to me getting better as a player, and that's a little bit better than it was last year. And I could have been very easy. And I ended up having a crazy sophomore slump. You know, I, I was in the race in the uh, uh, rookie of the year thing with, like, Nomar. When he hit, like, 330 that year. And uh, I think I I just, uh, I finished, like, fourth behind 
Jose Cruz Jr. and him and yeah. all those guys. So yeah. They hit the most home runs. I stole the most bags. So. And um, Nomar was on a very good team. I wasn't on a very good I was on a white flag team. But, <laughs> uh, I, you know, it was just kind of like just understanding those moments and how to go about navigating the next season and, and just understanding that you don't have to be great. You just have to be consistent and really good if you possibly can. Do you think if you came up now, and I've had this conversation with a lot of guys about how clubhouses are different. It's not like go sit in the corner, rookie, yeah, right? So yeah. if you came up now, do you think it would you been it would have been even better because you could, you know, you have a good personality, yeah. you could just be yourself. Yeah. It's just change, right? That is so true. Yeah. I think today the game is so much different in a sense that guys feel comfortable and most of the guys are fairly young they're probably in the same age group when they come up now you may have a few guys that have some veteran lace teams but most of these guys now when they come up they get a chance to actually just kind of like let their hair down and kind of fit in yeah it's not don't sit in the corner yeah, like like it was for me it really was, it yeah, was yeah. like that it was like sit in the front of the bus the front of the plane last one to get on the plane last one to get off the bus cool. all of those different things and that's and like people said like how is that like good to try to get the most when someone gets called up like you're you need them to be good yeah and how is that making them any good yeah it does like it, you know we really think about it it does impact the guys mentally uh physically you know like you, you start to add more pressure on yourself um and and when you're a young player you always want to try to be a part of the team as much as you possibly can but i had to do it on the field before I got any notoriety as a person, mm. per se. But, you know, I mean, it was my time, and that's when it was, but I vowed to never, ever do that to anyone as long as when I was coming along and being able to play, you know, you know, in the league and everything. That's why you're a good man. But uh, I want two more things real quick is that I asked Julio this, and I asked Taylor this, and I have asked a bunch of people this, and I think it's a fun question. You start a franchise right now, okay? And you, you have one one guy. This is you're standing the franchise with. So I, I told Julio this is that I said I I picked him, and and Taylor had picked Adley Rushman. Um, a, a lot of people have picked Shohei, and I said, well, like for instance, Buster Olney said I'll take Shohei. I said, well, you know he's older, he might break down. He's like, well, if he breaks down as a hitter, he's going to be able to pitch. He's going uh, no wrong answers. You got one. I got, I got, I got one A and one B. Oh, nice! Are you even better? I would take Julio, or I would take Acuna. Uh, that's a good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. And you know how this started was Theo Epstein, at a function in 2005, was asked this question. You know who he picked? You know, like Felix Hernandez. Are you serious? And that was a young Felix Hernandez. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, a good yeah, pick. Yeah. I guess I'm looking at it from an offense, offensive perspective. I know, but if you get a number one. You can kind of you can build off of that, but I like offense. I like the electricity these guys bring, and I think that the one thing I know is that the the, the players hold their value longer than pitchers do. That's why that's why you're tomorrow. I would take the same thing. Last thing: Why isn't baseball boring? Baseball isn't boring, <laughs> man, because you if you play here every day, it's electric every single day. It's nice that when the once you get past the first two months. And the sun comes out and it's beautiful. There's beautiful women in the stand that love baseball. 
that's my go-to. But it's a beautiful game. It's a very beautiful game. <laughs> beautiful women in the stands. Beautiful that game. Love baseball. Love baseball. What's better than that? And it can't beat it. No, it can't no, beat no, it. No, no, it. Can't no, beat no. it at all. Uh, <laughs>